So you're at the dentist's and the hygienist says to you, do you floss daily? And you, you create the impression that you actually floss much more frequently than you probably do. Why don't we floss daily? It's good for us. I looked on the website of the National Institute of Dental and Craniofacial Research, and they said, what's the purpose of flossing? Put simply, flossing cleans between the teeth where brushing can't reach. The goal is to disrupt the formation of dental plaque before it calcifies into forming calculus. And in my experience, calculus in any form is bad. I tapped out in senior math. So flossing reduces the risk of tooth decay and gum decay and gingivitis, and flossing also helps to prevent bad breath. And still, we don't do it, even though we know it's good for us. And Paul kind of captures this conundrum in Romans 7, verse 15, where he says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do that. But what I hate, I do. Kind of the human condition. And we also know that reading our Bible is good for us, but it's a struggle to do it on a regular basis. Why? Eh, maybe because we think it's boring, or maybe we've never really developed a habit of doing it. I think it's worth considering that we don't really understand why we should do it, and maybe because we've been doing it wrong. So let's address those things, because if we understand the why of something, we're much more likely to do it rather than just being told we should. And then we'll talk about the how. So we are in our series on growth, and we've been looking at these pretty foundational areas for those of us who want to grow in our relationship as followers of Jesus. So today we're looking at learn more about the Bible, and it's huge in our potential growth because we've been given this book, and in covenant language, we believe that the Bible is the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. That is, everything that you need to know about how to have a relationship with God, everything you know, need to know about what's really important, and everything you need to know about how to act in response to knowing Jesus, it's all there in the Bible. One of the greatest challenges for us, though, is that we're Bible-believing, but not necessarily Bible knowing. So because of that, I thought it would be fun to take a test. So it's true, false, easy peasy. Okay, ready? All right, you get to vote on this. The Bible says God helps those who help themselves. True or false? False. Okay, next. Hope you're doing well. The Bible contains references to sea monsters and dragons. True or false? That one's true. Next question. In the Bible, 42 people were mauled by bears because they teased a bald man. True or false? That one's true too. Next question. The Bible says a penny saved is a penny earned. True or false? False. That was Ben Franklin. All right, last one. The Bible says be in the world but not of the world. True or false? It's false. I know you don't believe me, but I'm right. You can go look. That's not in there. So 
Let's take a look at why it's important for us to know our Bibles. And we're going to look this morning at a passage out of 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. And I'm going to use a slightly different version. Usually we use the New International Version, but lately I've been looking at the NIRV, the New International Reader's Version, because I like it. So this is from the NIRV. But I want you to continue to follow what you have learned and are sure about. You know the people you learned it from. You have known the Holy Scriptures ever since you were a little child. They're able to teach you how to be saved by believing in Christ Jesus. God has breathed life into all Scripture. It is useful for teaching us what is true. It's useful correcting our mistakes. It's useful for making our lives whole again. It's useful for training us to do what is right. By using scripture, the servant of God can be completely prepared to do every good thing. So let's look at a couple of the phrases in there. Paul says, continue to follow what you've learned because the possibility exists that you'll stop. You've been walking down this road and you'll get waylaid, you'll find something else to do, you'll be satisfied, but you've got to keep on going. You've got to keep on growing Following Jesus is not just this one and done, say a prayer, and then you've got it thing. And also head knowledge is great, but putting it into practice is better. So keep on learning, keep on growing, keep on in the way that you have learned. And also there's the temptation to believe something else or to believe something less. So I've heard a frightening number of people uh, talking about what they think America should look like, saying, we as Christians have tried turning the other cheek, and that didn't work. That's believing less than what the Bible tells us. I hear other people who live like Jesus's primary purpose is just to make my life comfortable. That's believing something else. So Paul encourages us to follow the way that we've learned. And then he says, we should do that because we know the people we've learned it from. As I was growing up, in my formative years particularly, and even till now, I see the lives, and I saw the lives as I was growing up, of the people who taught me about Jesus. None of them were perfect. They all had flaws, but that's not what I'm looking for in people. I'm not that cynical. They were sincere in their faith. They could point to life change. I saw their reactions and how they honored Jesus. Their lives helped ground me in my faith because I saw by watching in their lives that what they believed was real. I've heard about so many families and friendships that have been torn apart over the last six-ish years because of some of the toxic things that people have heard and read, written or said by someone they don't know but all of a sudden believe have the truth. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who are heartbroken because someone they've loved and cared about has cut them off based on a political belief or a social conviction. And they're like, we did life together. We were friends and now we've been completely cut off. So Paul encourages us, don't depart from the people you know. Don't depart from the people that taught you about Jesus because you know them. No politician or influencer or entertainment personality is ever going to be someone that you know well. And then 
Paul says about the scriptures, they're able to teach you how to be saved by believing in Christ Jesus. We've talked about this for the last year. It's why we went through the Gospel of Matthew. There's so many other people and so many other things that are telling us what Jesus looks like, what Jesus' priorities are. We want to hold on to the scriptures and believe what is revealed about Jesus and ourselves in the Bible. We want to hold to that even if the Bible says things we don't want it to say. We want to take our beliefs and the things that we hear and we want to hold them up to the scriptures and then change our beliefs if they don't match up to the Word of God because that's how we can be sure we're following Jesus and not just somebody else. And then, Paul says, the whole purpose of this is verse 17, by using scripture, the servant of God can be completely prepared to do every good thing. Now, you might be surprised that by using scripture, the end result is prepared to do every good thing. You might have thought it would said, you know, look like Jesus or be like Jesus. But let's go a little bit deeper than that, because it's almost like a quote of Ephesians chapter 2.10, where Paul writes, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God is making us. We're God's handiwork. That can also be translated as, we are the result of God's actions. So what it's getting at is that God is forming us into something new, because this passage in Ephesians is about creation. It's about recreation. So God is recreating us, making us new. And we've been made new as a part of the whole new creation that God's doing. And so as a part of God's recreation in us and the whole world, we're called to be a part of what God is doing, to do the good works that accompany the presence of the kingdom, to partner with God in living into the reality of his presence here and now. So this is really talking about how we become like Jesus and have Jesus's priorities and share in Jesus's work. So ultimately, reading the Bible will help to form us into the image of Jesus. And one of the great truths of this passage is that we are being formed by something or someone. And here's why it's important that we understand that we're being formed by something. Through a 2020 Wall Street Journal article concerning leaked internal Facebook corporate memos, we learned our algorithms exploit the human brain's attraction to divisiveness if left unchecked. Facebook would feed users more and more divisive content in an effort to gain more user attention and increase time on the platform. So social media needs you to stay on their platform longer. So it will figure out what it takes to keep you there. Why? So they can show you more ads. Because ads generate profit, profit generates values for shareholders. And they've discovered that if they can make you mad, or if they can make you scared, you'll stay longer. The great de-churching, which I read recently, is such a, a great tool for understanding some of these things. Another quote from them, People will consume social media, podcasts, YouTube, radio, books, blogs, television, movies. Whether we realize it or not, this volume of information is constantly forming and shaping our vision of what is true, good, and beautiful. Compound the information diet with algorithm-fed division for profit. 
Here's why that's so dangerous. We're not just receiving content. We're being formed. There's nothing neutral about social media or anything that you are going to do on the internet. You're being formed and you are known. That's one of the most frightening things about it. Again, the great dechurching. The algorithm to misquote Psalm 139 has searched us and known our hearts. It tests us and measures our anxious thoughts. It's woven digital models of us in its silicone womb so it can sell their everlasting data to the highest bidder and keep us addicted to the online platform it serves. Some of the algorithms are so fine-tuned that the companies already know what we like, what we stop to look at, what we're inclined to click on, and we'll use that to feed us more of those things so that we'll stay on their sites longer. They don't care what happens to you. They care about putting ads in front of you, and they will do what it takes to keep you in front of the screen. And all the things that we read or watch are forming us, usually misshaping us into something unhealthy. And how many of us have any consciousness on a regular basis of how what we're watching or reading is actually changing us? I'd say very few. Something is forming you. What is the thing that's forming you and what is it producing in you? Is it producing joy and peace and hope or is it producing anxiety and fear and divisiveness and hatred. Whether you watch MSNBC or Fox, whether you're doom scrolling or endlessly checking threads or X, they are forming something in you. And oftentimes it ends up in depression and anxiety and polarization. When you spent the whole day on social media or the whole day with Fox or MSNBC in the background, do you feel more love towards people? or a deeper level of hatred and scorn? Do you do more us versus them thinking, or do you consistently see people whom Jesus loves? Because all of us, all of us are being formed by those things. So X, TikTok, Instagram, threads, whatever, those can all be used for good things, but they can also form bad things in us. They can form a dissatisfaction with our lives or our bodies or our relationships or our financial resources. Things like fear of missing out, FOMO. It's a unique term that was introduced in 2004 to describe a phenomenon observed on social networking sites. FOMO includes two processes. Firstly, perception of missing out followed up with a compulsive behavior to maintain these social connections. It promotes loneliness and sleeplessness and anxiety. We end up with decreased social functioning and poor academic performance. But let's go even deeper to some of the darker parts of the web. Let's think about porn. The porn industry generates more than the combined revenues of the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball. In the USA, the porn industry generates, it's hard to figure out exact numbers, it generates between $15 billion and $97 billion a year. But porn can lead to addiction, and porn addiction can lead to guilt, shame, low self-esteem, 
It can contribute to depression, anxiety, and other mental health disorders. It impacts a person's ability to form healthy relationships. It leads to feelings of isolation and loneliness. Those are the things that are being formed in you, let alone the objectification of men and women, desensitization to sexual violence, and a strong connection with sex trafficking. You're being formed by something. What is the thing that is forming you and what is it producing in you? Any addict knows that you won't get better until you realize that what you're doing is destroying your life. And that's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what God wants for you is very, very different than what social media intends for you. And God forms us through His Word. And that's the why we should be in God's Word. Because God wants to form in us peace and joy and hope. And we're being formed by things that are causing anxiety and pain. So here's the how. How do you get involved in reading God's Word? Well, first, find out what works for you. Set aside some time. For some people, it's five minutes in the chair, which is a program that some of my friends do. The first five minutes in the morning, you grab your coffee, you spend five minutes in the chair, and you read your Bible. Maybe it's something you can do at lunch. Maybe it's sometime, you know, through day. Find something that works for you. I, I like rhythm, and I need something to become a habit for me, or I have the best intentions and I fail. So find a time that works for you and just begin to make that a habit. Set aside some time. Then find what works for you to actually get into the Bible. So maybe find some things that will help you understand the Bible, that will help you know ahead of time what it is you're going to read. There are videos and books out there. I'm a huge fan of Bible Project videos because they explain books of the Bible, they explain concepts used in the Bible. So there's a link there. Pick one to watch and then go and read the book of the Bible afterwards. There's three books that I think are really, really helpful. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, Seven Things I Wish Christians Knew About the Bible, and A Reader's Guide to the Bible. Links are available. Then find a devotional or a Bible study guide. Please do not just Google Bible study guide because it might lead you to something crazy. I like InterVarsity Press. They've got a great a Life Guide Bible series. Um, but we would be happy to help you find a Bible study which might help you get into the Bible. Join a small group Bible study. It's great to read the Bible together. Be with people who are reading and studying the Bible. There will be a level of accountability. You'll be like, hey, everybody else is doing it. They're going to ask me if I did it, so I'll do it. So you might actually do it. And there's a link to how you can get involved in small groups at Harbor Covenant. And then we have a secret weapon. It's Angela Rhinus. Talk with her and she can get you plugged in. And then maybe join us in reading the Bible through a year. There's some guides at the information uh, booth or pick another uh, Bible reading plan. Here's the Bible.com. There's all kinds of reading plans that you can go through. And I, I really like the idea of reading the Bible in chunks. Uh, which is why I like reading through the Bible in a year, because you really begin to see the story arc in the individual books. So think about those things, and then find a version that's readable. 
you do not have to read the King James. It does not make you more spiritual. It will just make you more confused because we don't talk like that. There's three versions that I really have begun to like. Uh, I read from the NIRV, the New International Reader's Version. I like the Contemporary English Version, and I still like the message, readily available, particularly in apps uh, and online. And then pick a book that will be fun and easy, give you a good overview. Start with Philippians or Ephesians or Galatians. Read the book of James. We read the Gospel of Matthew. Look at the Gospel of Mark. And notice how Mark keeps going, and then, and then, and then, and next, and next. Mark is in a rush, and he tells the story. Or read the Gospel of John, which explains what's going on theologically with Jesus. Or read the book of Acts, where it talks about the stories of Jesus being, um, the knowledge of Jesus being distributed around the world. Do not begin with the book of Revelations. Do not begin with the book of Leviticus. You really do not need to start there. And then... Once you pick a book, it's not really that difficult to do a Bible study. There are just a couple of things you could ask yourself. So you look at a passage. As you read the passage, what strikes you? What questions does it raise? And then what do you need to do in response to that? So I brought up Romans 7.15 earlier. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. So, what strikes you about that? Well, what struck me was that I'm not the only one who does dumb things. I need some help to do what is the right thing. So, what questions does that raise? Well, I began to think, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, how can I ever grow? How will I ever change? And then I even thought, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, and I do the things that I shouldn't do, does that make God mad at me? And those questions then, as you begin to put that verse into context, you'll see that Paul has some of those questions too. Paul wrestles with that, and then he says, what a wretched man am I? Is there any hope for me? Thanks be to God for what he's done for us in Jesus. And then it leads into one of the greatest chapters in all of literature, Romans chapter 8 where we realize that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the application then is that I need to believe that I've been changed by Jesus. I don't need to be paralyzed with guilt over the failures of the past, the dumb stuff that I've done, and that Jesus gives me the power to do the things that I should do. There, Bible study. Boom. And I would much rather that you walk away with what that text teaches you about God's love, about there's nothing you can do that will ever make Jesus love you less, about God's plan for your life, about how God takes care of our issues. I'd much rather that you walk away being formed by that than by being formed by any other things that are going to leave you depressed or anxious or further separated from other people because you're being formed. The question is, what are you being formed by? So let me ask you three questions. Based on the amount of time you spent, what is forming you? Number two, what is one area where you need to figure out whether your opinion lines up with the Bible? And number three, what is one step you can take to start reading your Bible regularly?
Hi, thanks for watching. The people of Harbor Covenant Church really want you to know the love that God has for you, want to grow with you in faith, and want to serve alongside you, not only to help others do the same, but also to make our families and our communities better. If that sounds like something that you can get on board with, then like, follow, and drop us a comment in the video. Watch some more videos on our channel or come visit us on Sunday. You can find out more about Harbor Covenant Church at harborcove.church.